Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. This morning we're going to cover Habakkuk chapter 1 and read verses 1 down through verse 11. And so let's, uh, let's see what the Lord has to say through his word, all right? Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 1 through 11, the Bible says this. It says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold ye among the heathen. This is God talking back now to Habakkuk, answering his questions. He says, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told to you. For lo, for lo I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful, their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we just ask, would you help us to make sense of your word? Lord, would you speak clearly, and uh, Lord, would you use me as an instrument this morning to... Uh, bring that clarity, and Lord, would you give me boldness, and, uh, and uh, Lord, just even uh, <clears throat> uh, the right words to say, God, would you help me just to uh, be exactly what you need for us to hear this morning. I pray, God, that uh, every single aspect of the message uh, would just be from your heart, Lord, to us, and I pray that we'd each and every one of us be encouraged, Lord, and be challenged by your word, uh, and even uh, relate to this prophet who had some questions, hard questions, Lord, but we know that we can find answers in you. And so, Lord, help us this morning to find them and uh, to be encouraged and challenged by them. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, being a parent is one of the craziest experiences of my life, but one of my uh, favorite experiences that I've thus been able to have in my life. And one of the things that's, uh, I guess, crazy about it is, is um, is how many questions you are asked, right? You're asked so many questions as a parent. And, and at least at this stage in my life, I like, it's, it's kind of cool that uh, I, I, at least in someone's life, am like the person with all the answers, right? I mean, it might change when they become teenagers. But as of right now, the kids, uh, I have like every answer. So they come to me with every question. And sometimes they're, 
They're hard questions, right? They, the way young people's minds think, they just uh, see something in the world and they don't understand how it, uh, how it works or why it works that way. And so uh, I, I just hear all kinds of different questions. But the, the question that I probably hear the most, and any parents in here probably can relate to this, is a question, why? Right? Why? And uh, whether it's just why because you told them to do something and they want to know why, uh, or whether it's why to anything. I mean, I, I just, some of the questions I've been asked in the form of why, um, I'm like, why are, you think, why are you even thinking that, right? Uh, questions like, why do bathroom stalls have a gap on the bottom if you're not supposed to look under them? Right? I mean, I, who's thinking that, right? We're not thinking that, but apparently uh, they're thinking that. Why would it even be there if it's not meant to be used in some sort of way? And I had no answer for it, right? Why, should, why don't they go to the floor so that no one looks uh, into it? But questions like that, questions like, uh, why do we park in driveways? Aren't we supposed to drive on them because it says drive? Another question was, why do our blood veins look blue, but our blood comes out red, right? There's all these questions that, I'm like, why are you even thinking this? But, uh, but one, one thing that I've constantly seen uh, in my life is just that question, why? And what does that question, why, do for us? Well, honestly, anytime that we're asking a question with the word why in the, in the beginning of it, it's really this, we don't understand something, and we want to understand, right? We don't understand something, but we want to understand. In the book of Habakkuk, we, uh, we see the prophet actually ask God some questions. He doesn't fully understand what God is doing or how God is working, and he asks him some questions as a result, hard questions, questions that we might find at times ourselves even asking God. See, Habakkuk, he, uh, he lived and prophesied most likely during the reign of Josiah, the, uh, one of the most godly kings of uh, the nation of Judah. In fact, uh, uh, really a nationwide revival took place as a result of Josiah. And uh, he also would have served and prophesied under some wicked kings like Jehoiakim. And uh, some have even speculated that because of at the end of this book, the song that uh, Habakkuk writes, that he may have been a Levite who led God's people in worship. But whatever the case, we do know this, that Habakkuk knew what the law of God said and he knew that the people were not living up to that law. And he uh, knew, probably knew what it was like to live in a nation that was having revival and then on the opposite side to see a nation who was consistently and constantly declining from what the word of God says. And it perplexes him that God isn't working in the way that he thinks he should. When this nation that once had a revival was now uh, doing some of the very things that the nations who oppose God are doing. It confuses him that God isn't working in the way that he thinks he should. And, and what I believe even more so, as we're going to see throughout the study, is that Habakkuk was probably, when he was asking God to do something, asking for another revival. Like, God, revive us again. But that's not how God responds to the question that uh, Habakkuk asks the, in our passage this morning. And it, it brings him to another question. We'll see it next week. It brings him to another question to go, but why that way? Why are you going to do it that way? And, uh, and I hope you'll be here uh, next week as we dive into that. But uh, he goes to the Lord and asks these questions. And before we even get into what he asks, first of all, I want us to see that uh, it, it's important that that is our response, that we go to the Lord 
with our questions when we see things taking place. I think oftentimes we see the evil that is going on in our world or that someone else is doing and our first response is to take it to someone else and talk about it. And can you believe that person that they are? Can you believe our world? What Our first response should be like Habakkuk's and say, God, why? God, I don't understand what they're doing. Would you, would you help direct their hearts? Lord, I don't understand what's going on in our world. Would you give answers? Would you direct what's going to take place even in our country. Our first response should definitely be like Habakkuk's, going to the Lord, not going to other people. And this is the right response, going to the Lord. And then secondly, I want us to know, as we study through the book of Habakkuk, that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to even wrestle with what God says. We see uh, uh, Habakkuk, even as we go through the book, we see God saying something and then him asking God why he would do something that way. He, he wrestles with even what God says. Now, it's an important distinction for us to note that though it is good to wrestle, or not necessarily good, but okay to wrestle with what God says, what is not, as, what is not okay is to reject what God says. That's the difference. We see uh, Habakkuk kind of wrestling with the things that God says, but we see the nation of Judah as a whole completely rejecting what God has said. There's a difference there because sometimes we can uh, ask questions. We know and we hear from the word of God uh, that something, uh, some sort of lifestyle is sin and in and, and, and our world's thinking, we can often think, well, those people seem to just uh, be trying to find belonging or fi- trying to find love or whatever the case might be. And, and we hear what the word of God says and then we see what's taking place in our world and, and we wrestle with what we are thinking And though it's okay to wrestle with it, ultimately this should be our response, submission to what God says. Though we might wrestle with it, we we must not reject what he says because the truth is God's word does speak to the issues of our day. And though we might wrestle with some of those, uh, those questions, we must not reject what God says about it. If we're going to live righteously, we're going to have to trust him on all of these issues. Uh, As a parent... Some of those why questions, I, I have to respond in, this way, respond in this way. Do you trust me? Like, will you trust me? Is sometimes what I, I say. One, uh, one, you know, I ask them uh, to do something and they say, no, why? And I go, do you trust me? And they say, no, because I'm asking them, you know, to jump off something and I'll catch them. And uh, I say, will you trust me? And then they go, okay, I trust that. Ultimately, when it comes to questions in our spiritual life, we have to come to the same thing that Habakkuk sees and say this. Um, sometimes the answer to our question is, do you trust me? Will you trust me? The theme of the book of Habakkuk is really this, the just, the righteous, they live by faith. They live by faith. So though we may wrestle with questions of how God is working and why God might work certain ways and why God has said certain things, Though we might wrestle with those questions, we ultimately need to say, God, I trust you. God, I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you and walk each and every day with my life entrusted into your hands. Though I may not fully understand, I'm going to live by faith. And through this series, we're going to evaluate uh, each, uh, another question each week Uh, that we see addressed in this text. And for this week, this is the question we're going to address, all right? This is the question that we see. Is God indifferent? Is God indifferent to what's going on in our world? 
Is God indifferent to the sins and the catastrophes and the injustices that go on in our world? Is he indifferent to it? And uh, we'll find the answer this morning as we see Habakkuk asking this very question. But first of all, let's look at Habakkuk's questions. Let's look at Habakkuk's questions in verse 2 through 4. He says, Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? Spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. The law is slacked. Judgment never goes forth. The wicked can pass all around the righteous, and therefore wrong judgment proceeds from this. He, his questions really are twofold, and the first question is this. He says, are you indifferent to what's going on in your very people? Are you indifferent to, what, to the sin, what's going on amongst your people? The question he asks is this, how long, Lord, how long am I going to keep crying out for you to do something about this and I will not find an answer? How long is this violence going to take place in our country, in our nation, and you will not save us from it? How long will people have contention and strife and separate over each other for uh, seemingly no reason? How long, Lord? Will there be this violence and these thefts that take place in our own nation? The very people of God opposing God. Lord, how long? How long will this take place? Do you even care is really the way that he's asking. In essence, he's saying, God, do you even care about what's going on? How long is this going to go on, God? Do you not grieve over this? Are you indifferent to what's going on? I think we can find ourselves sometimes asking that same thing about what's happening in our day. Did my mic go off? No? Okay. <clears throat> I think sometimes we can ask the same question. Like, God, do you even care about what's going on in our world right now? Lord, how long are we going to see the sin and perversion celebrated in our nation? God, how long are we going to see the most innocent of lives in our nation killed each and every day in the womb? Lord, how long are we going to see even your very people not only wrestle with your word, but reject what your very word says and, and celebrate or propagate certain lifestyles that are against your word? Lord, how long are we going to see division among your very people, like contention and strife as a result of people separating over each other for the, the ridic most ridiculous reasons? Lord, how long? Is this going to take place in our own country? How long will we see war? How long will we see injustice? How long will uh, we see greed take over our nation as the, as the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? How long will we see people uh, disregard the word of God? Lord, do you not care about all of these things taking place in our country? Why aren't you doing something about it? You're just allowing them all to take place, it seems. Are you not grieved? Are you indifferent to the world? Do you not care about these things? But then notice the second question. Kind of goes hand in hand with it. He says, not only are you indifferent to it, he kind of goes further and says, why are you just standing idly by? Not only does it seem like you don't even care, you're just kind of standing there watching it take place. He, he says, uh, the, the law is slacked. That, that means... The, that the law is being compromised. The very word of God is being compromised. Don't you care about that, Lord? It's your word. Don't you care? And then he says, uh, you, you don't seem to be intervening in any way to these injustices. The wicked are prospering. 
One of the psalmists, I believe it's Asaph, who wrote a psalm. He says, why do the wicked prosper? And, and why does it seem that those who live righteously are the ones suffering? Even Asaph had that same question. Lord, uh, why are the wicked prospering? As a result of the wicked prospering, wrong judgments are being made against your very people. The righteous, they're oppressed. The poor, they're disregarded. The hurting, they're not finding comfort. There's lawlessness taking place, is what Habakkuk says. And it's all because you aren't working. You aren't working. Why are you just standing idly by God? I think sometimes we can think the same thing in our world. Lord, why aren't you doing something about it? Don't you see that if you would just intervene, things would be so much better? Why do you just stand there idly by? Why aren't you doing something about all of this, God? I can relate to Habakkuk with some of these questions, can't you? Lord, are you indifferent? Do you even care? Why are you not doing anything about what's taking place? So we see Habakkuk's questions, but let's see what God's response is to these questions. Look at verses four, or sorry, five and six. It says, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. Really, the first thing we see God's response be is this. No, Habakkuk, I'm not indifferent. I'm patient. I'm not indifferent. I'm patient. Even in his response, he doesn't say judgment is coming now. He doesn't say, no, it's, it's time for it to take place. He, he even says this, I will work. I'm still waiting for, for something to take place in the nation that I might be able to show mercy. I, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm being patient. I, judgment is coming soon. I will, but not yet. Man, God is so patient with his people. If you read the Old Testament and you look at this nation of Israel, how patient he was at time after time again when they complained, when they rejected what he said, when they turned to what was right in their own eyes in their history and saw judgment come as a result, and then they turned back to God and they reject him again, just time and time again, we see the patience of God with his people, even after their wickedness and their rebellion and their indifference toward him. Now, why is God so patient? Why, why uh, does he show this patience to people that are so against him? Well, the book of Peter or 2 Peter, he tells us in the New Testament that uh, God is long-suffering to us for this reason, that we might come to repentance. That we might come to repentance. He, he says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. So what he's saying in that verse in 2 Peter is this, he, God is not indifferent, slow to, uh, to uh, deal with sin, as some of us would count that, uh, those dealings. So really what he's saying is he's not on the same timetable as we are. We feel like he's just waiting way too long. And to him, it's no, 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 I'm not waiting too long. I'm waiting till the right moment. I'm on a different timetable than you. And he says, uh, instead of just doing it on our timetable, thinking just zapping everyone exactly when they do these uh, egregious sins, he says he is long-suffering to us. Why? That that not everyone would perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's patient with those that they might come to repent. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God is patient. 
I'm so thankful that he is patient toward you and I. Remember that uh, when he was patient with you, those of us who are saved, remember the patience he showed us prior to us coming to know him as our savior. That though we lived lives walking in darkness, whether that was willfully knowing what the word of God said and rejecting it and walking in darkness, or whether that was just because we were born sinners and didn't know better yet, that we were walking in sin, living a life that rejected what his word said and living a life contrary to how he says righteous people should live. And we, and we uh, lived that life and all along he was patient, he was waiting for us, he was pursuing us, he was loving us all the way to the moment where we came to know him as our savior, when we came to accept his gift of salvation, he was patient with each and every one of us. And as we uh, then came to that repentance, to that change of mind, we changed our mind about how we would get into heaven or we changed our mind about uh, our sin and how we should live and the fact that we should live in submission to God and what he says, whatever the, it was, you came to the saving knowledge of God and, and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You accepted that free gift of salvation and in that moment, you were declared righteous by God. Not of any works that you had done, but according to his mercy, he saved you. According to the work that Jesus did on the cross. So remember his patience in your life. Remember his patience in your life. Why? Because when we remember the patience in our life, it kind of helps us to remember that's what he's doing in their lives. When we look at the injustices and all of the things in our world and we go, God, are you, do you even care about these? The truth is this, he does care. That's why he's waiting. He wants them to, he, he's giving more and more opportunity to come to repentance, to change their thinking, to change their lives and uh, and submit to his will and his working in their life. Why does he do this? Because he delights to show his mercy, the prophet Micah says. He delights to show his mercy, and he is giving more and more opportunity for people to come to repentance. So what should that truth do in our lives? Well, it should drive us to repentance. He is patient with us. He has been patient with us, and he is still patient in our lives. This should drive us to repentance, understanding that he uh, wants us to come back into uh, line with what he would have, how he would have us to live, that he wants us to repent of any sin that is in our lives, that those who do not know Christ, he wants them to come to know him as their personal savior. So he's not indifferent to the injustices and the sin and the evil that's going on around us that's surrounding even the righteous as Habakkuk says. No, he's not indifferent to it. He is patient with those people. He's uh, showing patience. But notice God's response to the other question. Not only did he say, I'm not indifferent, I'm patient. But remember Habakkuk said, why are you standing idly by? Why are you just allowing it to happen without intervening? Without intervening? And God's response is really this. I'm not standing idly by I'm working behind the scenes. You, you think I'm just standing here doing nothing, but the truth is you just can't see what I'm doing, Habakkuk. You can't see what I'm doing. Uh, we may not see how God is working, and so it seems as though he's just standing idly by, but the truth is he's working out something that we just can't see. It's behind the scenes. And often, as he said to Habakkuk, the way he is working is something that we won't, able to be full, we are, uh, won't be able to fully understand. God tells Habakkuk that he's going to use the Chaldeans, or as most of us refer to them, the Babylonians, the Babylonians to discipline his people, to come and judge the sin of his people. 
we read the description of the Babylonians that God himself gives. In those last few verses, he says they're terrible. They're dreadful people. They're strong. They're fierce. They're ruthless. They gather so many captives, the number is as the grains of sand. They each and every one of them live for violence. They mock all other kings and kingdoms. They, they scorn all other princes and principalities. They cannot be stopped is the idea that God gives. And they all do it, all of these things, some of the atrocities that they perform, he says they do it in the name of their false God. That's the description that God says he's going to use those people to judge his people. Now we're gonna see next week that Habakkuk asks a question regarding that. He says, why them? (laughs) Why would you use a, a nation more wicked than your people to judge your people? Aren't you inconsistent God, in in the way that you're working, and I hope you'll be here next week, we're gonna see, is God inconsistent? No, he's not inconsistent. He is consistently consistent is what we're going to see. But this question sometimes comes to our mind, isn't God inconsistent in how he works differently here and works differently there? But, uh, But this week in our passage, we see God said he's brought these people, these evil people, these Chaldeans, these Babylonians, he has brought them up in order to judge his people. Now, does that make God the author of evil? No, the reality is this. The Babylonians already had evil in their heart. Each and every one of us are born in sin. These people already had evil in their heart. God is just using their evil deeds and their evil motives to perform his perfect purposes. So he's not the author of their evil. He's using their already evilness, is that a word? Their already evilness to, uh, to judge his own people and to do the work that he needs to do in the lives of his people. So he lets Habakkuk know that it's not long before the sin of his people will be dealt with. It's like Habakkuk says, how long? And God says, not long. It's going to take place. God's working a plan to judge sin. See, God is always working a plan about sin. Ever since the fall, he's been working a plan to redeem people from their sins and to judge the sin of the world. We can trust that he's working to make all things right. Don't confuse God's patience with God's approval. See, Habakkuk was given just a limited amount of information about how God would deal with the sin of Judah. But in our lives, we have the complete word of God to be able to say not only was he doing a work behind the scenes to judge their sin, but all throughout history, God was doing something to deal with sin. Now we have the complete word of God to look back and say that God was not only working to address sin there, but he's also working to address all of sin eternally. We know that through Jesus Christ, all sin would be addressed. That all sin would be made right. It would be judged. And this is good news. If you're trusting in Christ today, then your sin has already been dealt with on the cross. And if you are trusting in Jesus Christ as your savior, God's plan to judge sin has already taken place in your life. It was on the cross on Jesus when he said, it is finished. What is finished? The payment for sin. Uh, His merit, as we sing this morning, not our own merit, his merit is what makes us righteous. If you're saved today, then we know our sin has already been dealt with. But if you're here and you have never gotten saved, you don't know that if you died today, you'd spend eternity with God in heaven. The fact that Jesus dealt with sin is good news for you if you accept it. 
See, we have all sinned, as the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. Nothing that we can do, our works of righteousness, of right living, are filthy rags in comparison to the perfect life that Jesus lived. None of us can live to the standard of perfection that Jesus did to work our way to heaven. That's why we need a substitute. That's why we needed Jesus Christ's merit to be afforded to our account. But because he has paid the price for that sin, because he has paid the wages of sin, that death, that the Bible tells us is the payment for sin, then we can be made righteous and your sin can be dealt with today by accepting the fact that Jesus has already paid the price for your sin. And for those who do not receive Christ, those who reject him, their sin will be dealt with. See, those of us who, whose sin has already been dealt with, that's great news. And my sin has already been dealt with. That doesn't mean, as Paul says in Romans 6, well, now that grace has abounded, we just sin and sin and sin because God has taken care of it. He said, no, 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 that's not the right uh, mindset. But the truth is that because our sin has already been dealt with, we don't have to worry about the judgment of sin coming later on in our life. It's already been dealt with. But on the opposite end, the truth is this, those who do not receive Christ as their savior, who reject his free gift of salvation, their sin will be dealt with through future judgments. The Bible tells us about some of these things. God has dealt with sin and will deal with sin and now the choice is up to us. Will we accept his dealing with sin through his son Jesus Christ on our behalf or will we take the penalty of sin upon ourselves eternally separated from God in a place called hell going through those future judgments where God pours out his just judgment upon the earth for sin. See God is not indifferent to sin. He does not just stand idly by. He is righteous. He is holy and he is just and as a result will judge sin accordingly. So the choice is up to us. Will we receive the judgment that has already been taken place for our, to our account or will we reject that and one day pay for that sin on our own? Eternally separated from God or possibly even going through some of the judgments when God pours out his judgment upon this earth for sin. So he's not indifferent. He's patient. He's not standing idly by. He's working behind the scenes. So Habakkuk, he says, Lord, are you indifferent? And we see God respond, no, I'm patient. Habakkuk then asks, Lord, are you standing idly by? Why, why does it seem you're standing idly by? And we see God respond, I'm not. I'm just working behind the scenes. When we see those truths that God does care and he's showing patience on our behalf because of his care and when we see that uh, he's not just standing idly by but that he is actually working behind the scenes to work out good in our lives and to work out a perfect judgment for sin, these truths should comfort us. They should comfort us. He, he has been and is still so patient with us. We serve such a wonderful and merciful Savior that he would show this patience in our lives. And he's always working, even when we don't see it, he's working. So I pray that as we understand this, it would cause us to trust him more. As I said in the beginning, sometimes we ask these questions and we still don't fully understand. Why? Because we can't see it? Sometimes he's working behind the scenes. Sometimes we don't fully understand because we're looking at the here and now and God is looking at the eternal plan. 
So we may not understand, but may these truths of understanding, he does care and he is patient with us. And the truth that he is working, even if it's behind the scenes and we can't see it, may those truths draw us to trust him more with our lives. God, I I don't understand how you can be so patient with all this, but I sure am glad you're patient with me. So I'm going to trust your patience with them. You're God and I'm not. I'm gonna trust your patience with them. God, I don't understand how you're working because it seems that all of this is going and happening uh, happening around me without any intervention on your part. But God, I'm gonna trust that even though I can't see it, you're working. You're doing something in my life and you're doing something in the world to fulfill your perfect plan even when I can't see it. Really, our, our prayer should be this. Lord, because of your patience, And because of your working, would you help me to live by faith? And we see at the end of this book, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's amazing. I can't help but get there that through the questions, this is Habakkuk's response. I will joy in my God. I will rejoice in what he does. And the song he writes in chapter three basically says this. I don't even fully still understand why this is going to take place. But here's what I do know. God is God, and I trust him. I'm going to live by faith. May that be the prayer of our hearts as we hear these truths. God, I may not understand, but I trust you. Help me to live by faith. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.